1: Welcome, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, a Memphis Grizzlies-centric basketball podcast. Uh, You can find us on the Barnburner Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows in addition to that great platform. Uh, You can also check out the-barnburner.com for some more written content, some other podcasts we have. Have a great college basketball podcast if that's the kind of stuff you're into. Uh, co- Theater and College Hoops is the name of that show. You can follow them on twi- Twitter at CBB Theater. You can find us at Backdoor Cut Show on Twitter. And thanks to everyone who's following along right now on Periscope on the Barnburner the underscore Barnburner on Periscope. We appreciate that. Uh, I'm Zach. We got a full house today. You can find me on Twitter at Barnburner Bro. I also got Mason, Sam, and Rich with me today. We'll go uh, clockwise with the introductions. Uh, how are you doing, Mason?
2: This is like some Brady Bunch type shit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm the Brady Bunch thing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right, man, that's freaking me out. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well, man. Just, unfortunately, watched the Memphis Tigers lose a hard fall game to the Cincinnati Bearcats in O T. OT. Uh, a couple tough calls went against the Tigers, but at the end of the day, they just couldn't score, didn't get the ball to their best player, and didn't make free throws. So, you hate hate to see that for Penny and Cole, but, uh. You know, there's still some games left, so we'll see see if they can get it turned around. But uh, from a Grizz standpoint, it's all gravy, baby. <laughs> Going into the break, 28-26 and 26 with a big win over Portland last night. The only way this could be any better is if John Morant was named an all-star today, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. Uh, Sam,
3: how you doing? What's up, man? I'm uh, coming to you live from my girlfriend's apartment uh, on this uh, nice couch with this nice beige wall behind me. Uh, All I'm missing is the live, laugh, love poster and a a glass of Pinot, and I'd be rocking and rolling. But here's the thing. The Grizzlies are the most exciting thing in Memphis right now, and I would have bet you a million dollars that the reverse would be true and the Memphis Tigers would have, in fact, been more exciting before the season started. And it is but hey at least one of them is performing uh, exceeding expectations and it also teaches us a lesson about expectations you know but I, I think that we expected the Grizzlies to be so bad that two games over 500 feels like we're finals bound uh, and and these two 20 year olds you know playing playing well is also exciting for the future because we as NBA fans and and super big fans of the kind of the structure of it know what it means for the future when you have guys like this already playing well uh, but the Tigers on the other hand you know Credit to Penny for hyping everyone up, but championship dreams and aspirations. But, you know, the Wiseman loss and then some of the injuries and uh, it, it's been a tough, tough season. Uh, and it, it's one of those things now where every loss seems to just compound us further, rolling down that damn hill. Uh, but I'm here to talk Grizzlies. I'm excited. Was that the game last night? We'll get into it. But we got a really exciting basketball team in the city uh, and fuck Hassan Whiteside. Uh, he's a. I literally could not care less about that guy. But he made the city care about him last night, and I look forward to, to future matchups between Jonas Valanciunas and Hassan Whiteside. Uh, I hope Whiteside never goes to Lithuania. I'll tell you that. Rich, what's going on, dude?
0: Yo, man, I'm good. I'm good like everybody. Uh, tough loss from the Tigers earlier, but uh, the grindhouse was rocking last night, man. The forum was. felt like some of those old playoff series from the year, years past. Um, so definitely exciting to see the Grizz um, really stepping up and showing out, man, and Brandon Clark just – Jesus Christ, man. What a steal. Um, But I'm good. I'm off from work Monday. I'm heading to a three-day weekend. It's Valentine's Day. Spend the time with the lady that you love or whoever you love. We're inclusive. Um, And on the last pod, man, Mason mentioned my admiration for Andre (laughs) Iguodala. So I'm waiting for this moment. Uh, for this fucking book. <laughs> this fucking book, man. This fucking book. Man. Yeah. Fuck that shit. I was going through my old tweets from back in June. I'm just fucking, oh, my God. It's going to be so amazing for the young guys. Welcome, <laughs> Ready to talk about the Grizz, bro. It
3: would be, be better if you'd have that shit right there. he's
2: lit it on fire like one got of
0: got those
3: like trash jersey burnings.
0: Yeah. Man. yeah, Fuck that book.
3: I, I think that's uh, the best intro we've ever had on this show. <laughs> yeah, well, you guys, Valentine's Day. So we, I, my girlfriend and I had our year uh, anniversary last weekend, and so so we did a big night of dinner and stuff and like a romantic evening. But now it's Valentine's Day, like shortly thereafter. So do I also have to put on for Valentine's Day, or does that year celebration kind of like pull the statute of limitations down the road? Like, what what's my what's my, what do I have to do here? I think it starts, man.
2: It all depends on your girl and, yeah. and y'all's communication. And like, I was just talking to my wife and she was like, yeah, we, let's not do anything big for Valentine's day uh, this year. Like we don't even have to get gifts. We'll just go to dinner at our little Mexican restaurant that we love to go to. Then we'll come home and watch TV like we do every night. So I think it's uh you got to communicate and you got to yeah. know what she's wanting. And this isn't some coded message either. Like, Oh, let's not do anything. Then I don't get anything. She's like, What the hell? (laughs) Mm. So, uh, you know, that's important. Communication is key. But my my go-to for Valentine's Day is usually I write a poem, uh, a personalized poem, create it, uh, then get like a couple bottles of wine, some chocolate. I don't do flowers, man. Flowers die. Uh, Our love does not. Yeah, very nice.
0: (laughs) Or you could use that as like a a juxtaposition. Yeah. (laughs) Man, I'm with Mason, right. man. I normally come with the words. I write a nice poem, man. I've been writing, you know, little love lyrics to her for years. Um, can't go wrong with some wine. But yeah, man, I don't put any extra pressure or add on to it. Like, we know who we are, we know what we enjoy doing, that's spending time with one another. Um, and that's just kicking and not changing up the schedule. Like Mason mentioned going to the restaurant they already like going to. Like, fuck, let's go do what we fucking like to do and go kick it, spend time together.
3: Yeah. Wise words. Speaking of communication, this uh, Grizzlies team in the locker room is – how about that segue? Is fantastic. <laughs> they love to talk to each other. They're friends. We see it all the time. The, the best part about social media and the NBA these days is that you see these tweets of these videos taking place that we otherwise would have never seen in our entire lives or never would have been <laughs> captured of, like, the guys going into the hallway of the locker room and Ja jumping on Jaron's shoulders like – they're in freaking high school, you know, like uh, like jumping up, like running up behind your friend, like jumping up on him and just fucking with him. Like he, he did that. And we, so we we're starting to see like little elements like that. And it's not performative. It's not like they're in the spotlight. It's a clear interview. It's like behind the scenes type stuff where you can tell it's authentic. Uh, so I, I think that that's a good place to start with why these guys are where they are is that I don't know if there's a happier locker room or more camaraderie or just a group of guys that are willing to play unselfish basketball, which we hear Taylor Jenkins say all the time than these guys. And it sounds like can spam coach shit, but, you know, I mean, they're practicing what they preach.
2: Yeah, it really seems like, like I agree, the happiest locker room in the league. And that's a testament to Taylor Jenkins and the coaching staff. But then also I think we got to give a lot of credit to Jay and Solo, who are no longer with us. Um, Just kind of setting that tone as veterans, also Valanchunas. Um, he seems like he's been a great locker room guy. He's kind of like the lunch pail guy, you know. And he's like, "We're gonna go to work every day. We're not gonna be too flashy with anything. We're gonna get our numbers in the game. We're not gonna get our recognition like we deserve, but we're gonna win ball games." And that's kind of what this team has done. We've done it in a variety of ways. Um, you know, we had that stretch where we were the best, the, the best offense since uh, the seventy-three win Warriors. And then over the past 15 games, we've been the next to the worst offense in the league. We've been the second best defense in the league. So uh, you can't win like that in multiple ways without trusting multiple players. And that all stems from the camaraderie that they have. So shout out to the organization, man. Just the culture of the organization uh, from this point last year to now, it like honestly couldn't seem any different, not only to those inside the locker room, but just as it projects to the fan base in general.
1: Would you say that we are working towards long term sustainable success?
2: Hey, that's what they say. They,
1: <laughs> so that, that, that's the buzz going around. And I think that all the moves they made at the trade deadline, it was all working towards that. And we seem to be on that right track. Everyone's age, we got the right blend of players on the team. The roster's now rounded out where we're not too overloaded at any specific position. You know, things things look pretty exciting. A lot yeah, like you guys mentioned, the game last night was hype. Like it was it was a throwback night. It felt like a playoff atmosphere. Everyone was saying, you know, there's a lot of pre-build for the game on Twitter. A lot of folks saying this is the biggest game since, you know, naming games years ago, which I will point out is also what we said about the game earlier in the season with the Spurs where the Memphis slid into that 8th slot. So I kind of feel like those two are pretty comparable in terms of importance. Um, This one being maintaining that position that we've established. But, yeah, there there was a lot of good stuff that we saw last night. A lot of adjustments by different players. I thought the coaching staff, uh, as Sam's been pointing out, that we score very often out of timeouts. Timeout Taylor. Yeah, Jenkins is getting us a lot of good looks. Coming out of timeouts, I thought that he schemed really well for Portland. You know, Dame's just been totally on fire, and most of the game we were—he was getting a lot of backdoor cuts. But shout out to us, there we go, baby. But he wasn't getting open shots at from the three-point line, so that's where he's going to get hot and destroy you. If he gets that, you know, he's getting that backdoor cut, and then we can still have someone like Jaron, meet him there at the rim and contest that shot. And that's where two, as opposed to two possessions of threes, and you know that changes the trajectory of the game really quickly. So I thought that was very intentional. He made it so that other guys had to beat us, and Anthony Simons sure was trying to. He was 6-7 from three last night. He was on fire. But, I mean, as much as you can contain Lillard and McCollum, I think that we did.
3: With Simons, you gotta assume that they're going to move off McCollum and just slide Simons right in there. It seems like that the and, and open up their ability. They get off of some Whiteside's contract next year and then open up the ability to bring in someone and you know essentially like have kind of what we got going on, which is their their number two guy kind of be on that low contract and then bring in someone else because uh, the, the the Blazers are in a situation now where they just got to keep trying to win and well, around Dame, so they they can't blow it up yet. Uh, so they're going to keep doing creative things, kind of like the Rockets are too, and the 76ers to different extents. But the the, the Blazers are a, an interesting deal. I, they've been rattled with injury. They they for sure aren't the full team that we thought they were going to be. And they've only won games purely because of the strength of those two guys. So uh, either way, you know, our, our their misfortune is our is our luck. Uh, and, you know, we just continue to go forward and, and play good winning Grizzlies basketball. Uh, Rich, what, what have you noticed recently about how the team's been going and stuff you liked from just everything related to the team.
0: Yeah, no, I think everything like y'all spoke on uh, just related to the camaraderie. I think that's the main thing. Like that's really been really sticking out to me. Like you can go from the social media interactions between everybody, the welcome men of the young guys. Um, and I was reading an article a few days ago, um, giving credit to Taylor Jenkins uh, of some, you know, practices that he's enacted where he just says, fuck it. And like, they play a game of dodgeball or they play a game of kickball um, just to keep those competitive juices flowing but knowing you have this young team of seemingly kids you know they also want to have a good time too and their friends so I think that just shows the culture like we spoke to that's being built upon um down from climbing Taylor Jenkins etc um to where this team you can just tell they generally like being around one another and when you like being around somebody you'll go to war for them um, you see it on the court and the way in which they're really in sync for a young team um they play very well. Um, shout out Timeout Taylor, shout out the coaching staff. And uh, last night, like I like I alluded to earlier, it was a different feel in the form for me. The vibe was just they were here, and I've never seen the Grizzlies on a loop on ESPN, on NBA, and Bleacher Report, and House of Highlights. But they're a brand now. Ja is trending nationally all the time. His highlight players are being circulated all through social media, and we've just Never really had a star in the making like this in a long time. Um, so yeah, should have been an all-star. But you know, shout out to Josh, shout out to the Grease organization, man.
2: Yeah, so so on that energy last night, uh you three were at the game. I obviously was not. How I know they have the $25 club level ticket deals, which seems like the steal of the of the season if they do that every throwback night. I don't I'm not sure if they do, but that's what they were saying. Um, so how was the energy overall was the house packed, uh, Zach, I know you and Sam set together. So, so how was it for, from your perspective?
1: Yeah, it, there was, it was high energy, essentially the whole game, the game. Cause the Grizzlies would get ahead by a little bit, you know, they'd get up double digits. Then Portland would make a run, pull it back. But the fact that Grizzlies made timely plays, Jock ja came out blazing seven assists seven of his nine assists in the first half uh five or six of those were in the first quarter i'm pretty sure uh he he just came out made a ariza look like he was on skates once i mean just tony allen was on the front row so obviously that got people hype
2: does that add as much energy to the building as it seems to through the tv because like it when does. they show they show him the one time but like when he's just getting up in the middle of the game and like he. And like doing Tony Allen things, and then like you can see him coaching the guys on the floor. Is that does that permeate throughout the forum?
1: Yeah, you can tell that, can tell that guys that. are interacting with him the whole game. You know, Jaw did the binocular signal to him, goggles, dude.
0: The goggles, Zach. They're binoculars. Yeah. Jaw
1: said, ja said they're binoculars, well, but yeah, he said everyone
2: started calling them goggles. So the roll with goggles, but potato so to goggles now. They're, they're goggles
3: now. They're, I'm they're just going with what Jaw
1: said, the guy that created it. No, but it
3: uh, oh, seems shit. You can't jump on What's me up, for Art? that
1: for being correct. Uh just because no, everyone I mean, I, else is wrong doesn't mean I have to be wrong.
3: But but then he adopted it, right? So like he, he right, ratified so the point, it. So man. now it's it's the point is like this is important, man. These are this is a huge part of the grizzlies this year.
1: Okay, well it can be the goggles next time, but it was the binoculars last night. It didn't become goggles until today, at least.
0: Yeah. The building so, was jumping though, man. The building was fucking jumping. I didn't know one of the things that stood out to me was I didn't know there were so many Portland Trailblazer fans or that they traveled or a lot of Mellow fans, if you will. But there was a lot of Portland in there just scattered throughout, just a little red here and there. And, I mean, they were on hush because Mellow was like one for 15.
1: Ooh, um, yeah, so that
0: shit was terrible. But, yeah, I mean, you got T.A. in there. Uh, my boy Moneybag, Yo was courtside, even though he didn't show up to like, the fourth quarter. And <laughs> it was just, like, a good fucking vibe, man. Just good times throwback the Fucking love to throwback nights.
2: Man, that Carmelo performance hurt me because I've, I've been standing for him as he got older, and I knew Sam <laughs> Sam was in there just, with every brick, just be
3: like, this fucking guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he had um, a boatload of rebounds. He, he, and that's he about was it. awful last night. Wait, wait, yeah. did you say I was talking shit about him? Yeah, you,
2: you don't like Melo. I said you were probably – Wait a minute. I, hey, I, there's, there's receipts on Twitter, man. You, you call him a loser. Wow. I don't know about that. All right, well, we can continue the show, and I'll pull up the <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Okay, a couple other guys. Wait, you think he's not?
2: You think he's a winner? I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be. I think he's a starting player in the NBA. Yeah, okay.
0: So. <laughs> all
2: right. Okay. Just something to argue about
0: all really. <laughs> all right, okay. You know what I hate wobbly tables. How do you feel about those <laughs>
3: Shout out to
2: Larry David, man. Curved your enthusiasm just continues
3: uh, to
1: be great. It's the best. Yeah. So, so Anyway, we saw so Dylan Brooks, we got an extension on him. He's been uh not stellar on the offensive end at least since we've uh completed that extension. I don't know. Me personally, I'm not that worried about it. I think that that is going to pass, and he'll get back on track. Uh, especially like last night. I mean, his assignment was Dame to start the game, and he picked up three fouls really quick. So his his total rhythm is thrown off when he's put in that situation. So I don't. I'm not going to hold that one against him. Plus, when you have Brandon Clark doing everything that he did, you know he done Dylan a lot of the offensive burden that he's been carrying for us in all the in the wins that we have is was able to be lifted. So I don't know. Are you is anyone concerned about Dylan or just think that like he's cold for a few games, no big deal.
3: Mm. I, I would like to think that it is purely circumstantial that he has had these games since getting paid. But at the same time it's Dylan Brooks, you know? And like He's he's kind of silly, dude, and uh, we we you know we know a lot about like what's going on and maybe his personal life as well, uh, and so um, hey Harper Harper said that she thinks that Dylan Brooks is going to continue to be bad until we take that money away. So that's uh, just her. That's what I you're love. saying.
2: I mean, I think with him and Jaron, they were both just shooting like astronomically and that just could not hold up and Dylan last night I think he hit his first three threes and c- continue to play solid defense and I think he's not going to be a 20 point per game scorer um throughout his career and that's not what we need him to be uh I mean it's great if he is don't get me wrong but I, I think he'll be more in that 15 point range and he just got higher than a firecracker for like a month and thankfully we were, Good, we
3: were yeah. able to ride that wave
1: Great timing for him, yeah, <laughs> and that's what yeah. role players do, you know. Like they get yeah, hell.
3: I don't think he's gonna Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a consistent thing. I think, yeah, he he got an early foul trouble and it clearly knocked him off. And I mean, he just needs to, to start taking the right shots like he was for that extended stretch where he was successful. It's no secret that's why he went. He he occasionally had after he had it really going. He had his crazy where he'd go to the basket like football carry the ball and then hit a crazy layup. But that was usually after he had two or three open shots to get in rhythm uh, from a crazy John Moran assist. So I think that if he gets back to playing that kind of basketball, um, as opposed to just once he starts missing shots, then he tries to see one go down and starts playing Dylan ball. That's, you know, good Dylan, bad Dylan, as we discussed early in the season. It's just been a lot of bad Dylan recently. Uh, but we've seen he's capable of doing the right things on for a long stretch of time, which is why he got that money. So I, I'm not worried. I'm not actively worried about it.
0: Yeah, no. yeah I'm not worried about it either. I'm not too worried about it either. My bad, Mason. No, you're Um, good. You know, I think there's more of a spotlight on it now because he got paid. Had we been winning like we have been and he has been shooting like he had been, I don't think it would have even been a topic. Um, There was a tweet that went out last night, you know, detailing the shooting numbers since he got paid. And because he got paid, that's all the reason we're chopping up about it right now.
2: Yeah. So along those same lines, Jaron Jackson has struggled after, you know, he just went berserk too. Zach, how are you feeling about Jaron offensively? Are you
1: worried at all? No. Yeah. I I think, like, yeah, it probably makes sense he'll come down a little bit from where he was, but I truly think that that is the player that he is going to continue to be. And he got in foul trouble last night, so, I mean, he only had six shots in 33 minutes. He just wasn't getting the ball very much. Clark, honestly, was just taking so much. We had so many easy dishes to him that – that became the primary look for our offense instead of, you know, shooting the threes. We only attempted 23 threes yesterday. And I think, I'm not sure what our average is, but uh, recently it's been a lot more than that in our victories.
3: Honestly, I've not seen a game where Ja and Jaron have had the synergy that Ja and Clark had last night yet. They had a couple games mm-hmm. where they closed on, like, pick and, like, three or four straight pick and rolls, and, like, that was cool to see that. But, you know, I I, I definitely like what I saw from John and uh, B.C. last night, as, as everyone did, obviously had a great game. But just the way that he rolls to the rim, um, they seem to have more natural chemistry uh, than John Jaren. Um, and Jaron. And that just might be me, like, basically my thoughts on last night. But that Clark seems to be kind of, like, more ready to run. He, he's definitely more athletic than Jaron. Uh, and every now and then, Jaren's the re- recipient of a backdoor dunk and uh, John gets in the ball where he wants. And like, obviously, he's shot a lot of threes courtesy of John Morant collapsing the defense. But I don't know, something to think about. Uh, I, ha- I haven't yet seen them consistently be the one, two guys that we that I desperately want them to be. Um, it seems like there's a game here or there, but uh, as, as they're 20. So that, that's the caveat on all of this.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, doesn't that kind of make you feel good that we've been successful, especially since Ja got back in the lineup and they haven't connected like we would like? Uh, you yeah, know, sometimes it's JV carrying the load, sometimes yeah. it's Dylan, sometimes it's Jaren, sometimes it's Jaw, it, and like that's that's what makes a good team, uh, right? You know, down at, from here on out, just being able to win in a variety of ways. Well, the bench thing,
3: too, right? I mean, yeah, you the got bench like. Mob. I mean, it's it, that—that's—that's that's why we're winning, like we are, is that we have like a bench that comes in and lights up every single opponent's bench, like from from six to ten. You know, our our guys are like could start on a lot of other teams, uh, and they have a great other kind of second unit thing going. You remember when Calipari had that two platoon system that he installed yeah. or wanted to in Kentucky because he had all those yeah. guys. I think when the Harrisons were first in, and like it was a like corny ass Calipari college basketball thing. But, it, like, it's legitimately a thing that the Grizzlies are deploying now when we're trying to limit the minutes of our starters, you know, our, our two stars to make them last longer, essentially. Uh, so we bring these guys in, and they're playing up with these bench units. you got, like, Caleb Swanigan, you know, guarding Gordy Dang now, and that's just laughable. Uh, and it's one of the things. That, that's where we really – you see that's where we really take advantage of these teams. Uh, you see it every game. Uh, and I, I don't know why. Maybe that's going to be the new transition of the league. Like, for a while, it was pace and space, layups and threes. I think getting good benches, like deep teams, is going to be the new thing. I think – and that sounds obvious. But, like, you look at the Nuggets. Look at, like, the the Raptors. You know, these teams that weren't expected maybe to be as good as they have been. It's, they win because they have just guys that don't suck, which is, like, Vernon's big thing. But, I mean, there's credibility to it, right? Yeah, and the Spurs, historically.
2: So, sure. speak. Speaking of the bench unit, who let's let's all go around and Rich will start with you. Who is your favorite member of the bench mob?
0: My favorite member of the baseball man, D'Anthony Milton. Uh, I can. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my homie at the game last night. I was just like, man, like I want a melting jersey. Um, when I was growing up, um, the one Grizzly jersey that I had was a one James Posey, um, who was my favorite Grizzly growing up. Super random. I just. Fell in love with the way he played the game. He was just my favorite Grizzly at that point in time, and De'Anthony Melton is kind of in that same vein. Like I don't know why he's my favorite, um, but I just really enjoy watching him play basketball. I think like we spoke to already, the Bigs Mob just kind of has that synergy that 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 unity. Like they just they just come in and they make shit happen. Um, as they like to say on the broadcast, they call De'Anthony Mister Do Something, um, and you just see a player who once he had the opportunity to crack the rotation he didn't let that slip out of his hands again. And he's just positively been impacting it. Um, I know he's got a uh, free agency, restricted free agency coming up this summer, but uh, man, I just love watching the play the defense on the ball. Um, he just makes it happen. So for sure. D Yeah.
2: And he's got hands that are stickier than glue. And I mean, he is the reason for a lot of that energy with the second unit, just from the defense and tip balls. He brings uh, Zach, Zach, what about you? Who's your favorite member of the bench unit?
1: Hmm. So, going with Clark would be the easy answer, but I'm quickly, after 13 minutes of game time, developing an on-court crush for Gorgie Ding. G. Mr. What, Trebuchet. Yeah, that's that. Mr. Shot. Mr. <laughs> Trebuchet, I think, is going to make – I mentioned this last week, but he is going to give us so much versatility on this roster. Before him, Jaron was having to play – Back up five, which, you know, he he's gonna play a lot of five. That's what they want him to do. That's cool. But if he's gotta go up against, say, uh, Dwight Howard or something, that's just that's not gonna work out. Or Anthony Davis. Those guys are too big for Jaron to handle. He's gonna get in foul trouble. That's just we've seen that the entire season, his entire career so far. What Dang does is he allows, you know, he he does uh flex or um what am I trying to say? Very capable <laughs> defender. He would come out to the perimeter. He's got sound like arms. a robot. The reason several... we're laughing is your your
3: microphone went nuts for a second, and you sounded like oh, it a back. scratch record. Yeah, you're good. That's why we just started. Wiki, wiki. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like a DJ, but it was like no. a little punk punkish.
1: Well, I'm glad I'm back. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he had several steals last night. He's got quick hands. He can just. He's huge. He's, like, really big. 6'10", 7'4", wingspan, and can impact shots. Just brings us that physically big man down low that we didn't have uh, when we had to put Jaron down there. And also Brandon. Brandon on Anthony Davis, that's not going to be any good. He can play against a lot of guys, but those that have just superior size on him, uh, that's not a good matchup for him. He can beat most fours and contain most fours, but when he's got to slip to the five on... Now, anyone for the Rockets, yeah, he could guard any one through five there, but for a team that has a big-bodied traditional center, that's too much for Brandon. So I think that uh, Gorgie's going to allow us to have a lot more interesting lineups and provide a lot of good, solid minutes, uh, especially when we see foul trouble from some of the starting bigs.
3: Zach, do you have a plus-minus for... Brandon Clark and Gorgie sharing the floor at the same time by any chance?
1: Yeah. Good question, Sam. Thank you. Do you
3: have, do you have that handy perhaps?
1: Yeah. So there they played, uh, Gorgie played 12 and a half minutes yesterday and Clark played the entire time that Gorgie was in. So their net rating is positive 58. So (laughs) they're in that 13 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Defensive rating was like 85 and 140 offensive or something. So just, a bizarre number obviously yeah. it's 13 minutes I I want to see that more I guess that's what I want to say it doesn't mean everything but it means that it, that's something that we should look at more
3: but it was the eye test too we, we, you could yeah. tell that that Brandon Clark was able to kind of roam around didn't have to worry about anchoring the paint on defense and could sort of wreak havoc and you knew that Gorgie was going to be playing solid post defense uh, so the eye test Definitely, I, th- I thought it looked good. I was like, they they look great together. But then that plus minus kind of verified. It's always good when the two come together. Who's your uh, bench m- member? No, you, you're next, man. We're going <laughs> clockwise. I'm oh, not you, Siri. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bro. What's your favorite <laughs> bench? <Yeah. you're> <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, uh, I'm going
2: the, the Anthony Melton, too. Uh, just because Brandon Clark is a cop-out, but for all the reasons Rich mentioned. And it's just like he reminds us of Tony Allen, I think, with his hands. Uh, Sam, you've mentioned this over text before. Like, If he wants the ball and he gets a hand on it, it's his. Um, So I just love the energy that he brings and just how he took advantage of the opportunity, really. Uh, So to to make it short, I'll go with De'Anthony Milton.
3: Yeah, I mean uh – Dancing Melton's the easiest answer. But, you know, we got to give some love to our backup point guard, too. uh, Yeah,
2: I was hoping this set up. Go ahead and tell the whole story, the backstory of you and and Tyus' newfound relationship.
3: Yeah, so so Tyus goes to the dog park downtown, um, and as do I, Uh, I I take our dog uh, Harper down there. And Tyus and his wife have a, a Husky named Duke after his alma mater. And so. Duke and Harper were kind of getting along, and I, I talked to him and his wife for a second. Uh, great group of people. Uh, his wife is actually expecting right now some congratulations to the Jones family. Uh, and she's actually Jones. due. <laughs> yeah, Jones! <laughs> um, any, 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 Jones reference is always welcome for me. So his wife is actually expecting it and due uh, right around the time that the, uh, that the playoffs are set to, to begin. So they're act- she's secretly hoping that they don't make the playoffs uh, so she's not husbandless or he's not re- required to leave the team during the playoffs and come back for the birth of his child. And essentially, he's just hoping he doesn't have to worry about it. So either Tyus Jr. comes early or uh, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a little bit of a, a family deal. But uh, nice, nice family. Obviously, we didn't talk much about basketball because I don't want to be that guy. But essentially, what I'm saying is that I'm best man uh, in <laughs> the future weddings he has, and that we're really close. So, uh, with that being said, obviously because we're such good friends, I have to pick him as my favorite. And he's, you know, he, he really, he always plays within himself. Uh, we saw him catch fire, and uh, what was it? What game was that? It was on the road. He hit like eight threes, or he was oh, like yeah. eight of eight, yeah. And he hit like four threes and just couldn't miss. And um, you don't, but you don't expect that every night from him obviously but he does know that when he is the hot hand he knows how to use it uh to to our advantage and so that was good he has a lot of synergy with brandon clark uh we've seen them really develop a good pick and roll combo um almost almost never makes mistakes uh and for that i mean that's all you can ask for a backup point guard at, and, and uh and so i'm really glad to have him on our team and it, it seems to be just super well liked as well and like another great personality to have, like we got the loud, kind of ridiculous ones in John Jaren, and then the quieter, like Brandon and and Tyus, uh, but everyone still really gets along. So I, I don't know. I really, you could say anyone coming off the bench, and uh, you'd have a completely valid argument because they've all been fantastic and accepted their role and and like take
1: taking and run with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Mason, Jeff, uh, you feel me? Something, I feel Jeff, you, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, un basketball related, I saw a Instagram story, I believe, of you at Prices Right. <laughs> I didn't know that. What's that about?
2: Uh, yeah. So, it was after the, the Monday after Thanksgiving. My sister in law is a huge Prices Right fan, and she had gotten us tickets to go because they were out here for the holidays. Um, so we went to Prices Right early as hell, about seven o'clock one Monday morning. Um, And and we had our shirts airbrushed and stuff. And you may have noticed in the Instagram story that my shirt was turned inside out. Uh, I had no say in the creation of my shirt. My wife thought it would be funny to have my shirt say two in the Plinko, one in the Stinko (laughs) as we go. Classic you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you know me, not something I would put on the shirt ever. So, Uh, anyways it's getting going on the show is just a long process you're like in these waiting lines and supposedly the directors and stuff are like watching you the whole time so my sister-in-law had researched what was required to like get selected to come on down and so this whole time like she is just hamming it up and she's got a super bubbly personality anyway so at, at eight in the morning like first cup of coffee and she's just like in full grind mode, just I'm going to get on TV. There's probably cameras in the wall right here and all that stuff. Then they they take you and they interview you. They ask, ask you where you're from, what you do, your favorite prices, right, memory or game, stuff like that. Pretty cool, honestly. Um, Then eventually you get to go into the studio. Our sister-in-law got called uh, as one of the first four contestants to do the bidding. She won on the second uh, bid and she lost her game but won her showcase you know when you spin the wheel uh-huh. and uh then she made it to the showcase showdown and the uh, and she just beat the other lady this other lady just completely blew it she way uh, uh overbid this package of vacations and i mean as soon as the other lady bid i was like oh shit we won <laughs> like no way her bid is anywhere close and then sister in law uh, won a nissan sentra i believe it was a uh, Backyard Styling. patio with a nice grill, an iPhone. Prizes were worth uh, quite a bit of money, so it was a it was a fun trip. Uh, got to see Drew Carey, shook his hand. I, I was sitting in the back seat of the vehicle that she had won. Uh, rushed the stage with my shirt on inside out because oh, while I was in line, one of the like director's assistants is like walking through, and I can tell she's looking at people's shirts. I'm like oh shit, and she's like, can can that group show me your shirts and they're all like proud to show theirs because they don't have a you know, was vagrant language written on their shirt. And so like, I stand up and have to show this woman my shirt that says two in the plinko, one in the stinko, and she's like, "Yeah, you're gonna have to, to turn that inside out or buy a new shirt." And so, like, I have to walk all the way back to the restrooms, and it's like a walk of shame because it's everyone who's coming into the show with us, you know, a couple hundred people, and they're like, Why does he got to change his shirt? And there's like whispers, like, look what he said. And it's like all <laughs> old people, that's who watch the prices right. So it's like people, my grandparents yeah. and I'm like, oh man. <laughs> and then I come back with the shirt inside out, but they still set us right in the middle. So prime time for national TV, you know, it was a big, big day for the family uh some, we had some watch parties back home uh so i still haven't seen the episode yet so I don't, i'm not really sure how it goes but it was a fun experience if you ever get a chance to go on a game show you should especially if you win a car
3: <laughs> yeah no kidding i think, know. think
1: i know seven- so how do you
3: feel that translates into jaren's three-point shooting
2: well, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> similar because it's just a game of chance. Sometimes he's yeah. on, sometimes he's not. Sometimes yeah, it's a he's game of percentages, out, sometimes he's not so. You know, but yeah. if you if you really study the numbers, then you can make a a good bid, and you'll be able to get on the show. Just good like point. You, you'll be able to declare if Jaron's going to have a
3: good game or not beforehand. Coming up next, Zach White's going to give us his next thing on his agenda. <laughs>
1: I don't uh, – you you caught me. Oh, I, I threw was, it, was, it to you, bro. Uh, yeah. I threw it to you. I'm out here doing did good I, Did radio. I set a fake a f- uh, fake pick and then roll to the hoop for you to throw me the alley like I'm Brandon Clark? Is that what just happened? No, a
3: fake pick <laughs> is what the Tigers do when they come set picks.
1: <laughs> I got to
2: – Back to the feel of last night's game. How is the whole 90s feel go- going like when they're playing 90s music and stuff all night throughout the arena?
1: I feel like they didn't last night. Did I just like –
3: they do. They did.
1: It didn't. Yeah. It didn't. They it did. wasn't as noticeable as some of the other ones. I don't know. That part wasn't.
2: Is anyone getting tired of the throwback stuff?
1: No. No. no I think it's right. that, court that court is awesome.
3: Yeah, and i I think I've even been to every single one of them too. So it's not like the wrestling nights last year, for example, that eventually everyone was like, "All right, okay, we get it." Uh, but th- this is, I mean, everyone. Either grew up and heard those songs, or like knows about them. They're obviously still popular. They don't play weird, obscure '90s songs. They play ones that we still recognize. And um, the team loves playing in those jerseys. And the court's badass. So I really can't see them getting tired of it. But yeah,
1: and the in-game uh, I, entertainment's not like centered around one singular thing. It's always different. Like it's yeah, not like yeah. oh, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. It it's totally yeah. There's it's, not a it's halftime not a theme, really. Yeah,
3: Yeah. That's true. It's just like really the jerseys and the music, but uh, usually the music kind of, kind of bangs and everyone's into it. So um, yeah. uh, hopefully it doesn't get too tired though. Cause we certainly don't want that to happen again. Do you think it's something to do next year? Or is this they're doing 25th anniversary and then we're never going to do those again? Um, well,
2: next year is the 20 year in Memphis. So they're going to wear the black right. Memphis jerseys. Oh, that's that, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, And, yeah, and gonna, they'll use the same court. So that will be cool too. Yeah, it'll be cool. Those are fresh too. Yeah. And you know, rumor has it that they're actually going to turn the top of FedEx form into a pyramid. So no, I'm just fucking y'all. Uh, <laughs>
3: Did you know they're working on it though? <laughs> huh? no, I didn't. no, I didn't. Really? No. Oh shit, they are. Uh, they, they they they've resurfaced the top of it. Uh, it used to be. I can. This is gonna be a humble brag. I can see the top of it from my office every day, and uh, it used to be like horribly tarnished and like splotchy and fucked up, basically. Yeah. And now they've they took all they sanded all that off, and it's entirely white and clean right now. Uh, so it looks. Surely they're gonna paint something on there, or, or they keep it white. It looks way better. It's it looks clean, and so I think they resurfaced it or whatever that process is. So I thought you like had some inside track because they really have been working on it the whole season. Um. So <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know. It around. Yeah, it might just be just redoing the roof, and it might just paint it black. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I heard a giant, like, grizz head that, like, talks, you know, and breathes fire (laughs) would be pretty sweet. That would be pretty intimidating. All right, so so back to the court. How are we feeling about Josh Jackson? Rich. How do you feel
2: about Josh Jackson? (laughs) I mean, I
1: think that that silence was pretty (laughs) telling, I think.
3: Okay. All right, what you got, Rich?
1: Um,
0: Coming up next,
3: Rich is going to tell us about how he feels about Josh Jackson.
0: Yes, it is I. It is rich. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I think he's still filling it out, man. I think last night there were some plays that I saw like that, like might've gone over some other people's heads, but like he was making some like passes that were like, okay, you know, dishing it to people doing his thing. But I think he's still like filling things out, man. Um, I can't imagine like what that pressure is like to kind of, you know, been killing in the G league. And then now you've been waiting on this moment to be called up and now you're, Really a part of the rotation. Um, I don't foresee, you know, how integral his role will be like moving forward. Like if if he's an actual part of this, quote unquote, young core, I don't know yet. I think the jury is still out on that. Um, but for the most part, he seems to be positively impacted. But I won't say that there's anything where I'm just like, damn, like, yeah, like Josh Jackson is the three of the future.
3: Yeah, I think uh, what I'll say to – what I said to Zach, I think, last night was – sorry, Rich, I don't know if you were going to keep going, but oh, no, the, go uh, the he, like, eye test-wise, he looks great, and he runs up and down the floor and, like, seemingly helps when he's on the court. I, have no, I, I haven't even looked at his, like, plus-minus or any of that advanced stuff. Uh, he, When he goes to the rims, when he's most effective, he's a pretty good slasher, and he finishes pretty well, and, like, he had a sweet up and under last night. Uh, and you know, once he gets like he's when he like scores like Will Barton as like kind of that that super lanky guy, like just weird finisher at the rim. I think he has some of that going for him. Um it, Once he gets three going, I think is when he can kind of unlock what he can be. Uh, we saw him shoot it well in the G League. Uh, he was terrible his first three seasons with the Suns. And that was always kind of the knock on him was, is he more of like a kid Gilchrist or is he more of a like a shooting wing and the answer is he's kind of neither he's never he never really was like kate goker's level he could still get to the rim and score but um he looks good and i like i like when he's out there i'm never like damn it josh is in and i'd really like to know more about the plus minus i just haven't looked into it uh but he certainly is still finding his his footing and i would not have an issue with giving him a totally reasonable deal which i imagine we could uh, give him a totally reasonable deal, very cheap, get him for a couple of years. And then either he turns into something, you know, or he, we trade him uh, or whatever, you know, it's, it's no harm, no foul. Like Guterich, for example, is kind of like a, a zero sum deal. You know, he didn't pan out. Like he clearly played in the Euro league and he just can't shoot it in the NBA like he was there. And so, but now it's kind of just like, well, okay, cool. Like he just sits on the bench and he's a positive guy and no harm, no foul. What do you think, Mason? You love you love Josh coming out of the G League. Uh, you, you're his biggest supporter, on, at least of us, probably. Uh, so how do you feel how he's played so far?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think kind of what y'all said. He's been fine. Nothing spectacular. Uh, obviously, he's great in transition, and he helps mm-hmm. that second unit push the pace, and it just gives them another athlete out there to run the court, and he can handle the ball. We saw the, the pass he threw last night. Uh, the bounce pass, pass from half court and, and he had another one too a lob that Brandon wasn't ready for. That was a perfect pass. And so I think he's just getting used to playing with these teammates. You know, the G league is a lot different than the NBA, just from offensive style of play. It's a lot more street ball and NBA is more field knowing your teammates. I feel like, um, his defense, uh, was kind of what was worrying me, but I looked up his defensive rating and it's been the best on the team since he's played, uh, so I don't I don't think I agree with that because he kind of seems to just run around on defense at times uh, it's like we, we put him on these shooters and he's having to chase them around all these screens which makes sense because he's athletic and you know he's got a lot of energy because he's only playing like 13 14 minutes but I, I wasn't really impressed with his defense and but the numbers seem to say that he's been a positive impact and that whole bench unit it goes back to that bench unit just wreaks havoc when they go in so um, it's it's a perfect place for him to get that opportunity with that unit that was already playing at an elite level um it'd be really hard for one guy to come in there and fuck up that chemistry that they had um and he hasn't done that to his credit you know which maybe some fans were weary of him coming in and thinking he was back to being the number four pick that he he once was projected to be. But, yeah, and the shot hasn't fallen, and his shot is flat as hell. (laughs) I don't know how he was shooting that well in the G. Lee, that thing is like a straight dart going at the rim. Um, So, I'm excited to see him down the stretch, and he's been fine. Honestly, I've been a little underwhelmed from my expectations, but that goes also goes back to the er- earlier portion of the show when we talked about setting realistic expectations.
1: I, I think the one thing that he does bring is that he allows Jenkins to put him out there without being like a total negative. So he, Jenkins had nine guys play in the first quarter. Jaron played a little bit with the second unit in the first quarter – and none of the, not sorry, John Jaron, I believe, played a little bit over 30 minutes for the entire game. No one else played over 30 minutes, but Portland had their entire starting lineup played over 30 minutes. And if you read that 538 article about Morant, he's doing all that averaging under 30 minutes a game. And just the depth that... That that's a positive side is that you put him out there, he's not going to completely screw you over. He may not be making a ton of plays, but he's a solid solid guy and he just he get he's one of those minute eaters. I and mean, he's better or, than Marco.
2: <laughs> that's the best thing he's yeah. got going on. He's better for than Marco and <laughs> He then, soaks up minutes. And and that, that, was, that was always
0: more... something
3: that Harrington said was like he can soak up minutes and I was always like That's such a basketball nuance. So once you watch so much as much NBA as we do, you realize how valuable it is to have a guy out there that can like just be out there and not do anything stupid, you know? And not get hurt and just like sometimes be effective. And that's like shit. I mean, that's you make your money in the league doing that, sticking around doing that.
1: Yeah, so that's where I'm at. So next question. Dame Lillard left the game last night with about two minutes left with a groin injury after going up for a layup. And then it came out that he is going to sit out the All Star game and also the three point contest. So we have a guy on our team that has been in a lot of people's mouths, not just Grizzlies fans, but kind of everywhere as someone who could have been placed as called as a replacement in John Morant, but Devin Booker was selected to his first All Star game by and. Yeah, be, he, he that's, was. A, that's a puzzle of a tiger i did oh, that's pretty neat <laughs> yeah,
3: that's pretty cool man uh,
1: he, so how he, do you he, how do we feel about jaw not getting into the all-star game and booker being selected especially after Booker or after lillard said i think booker should be selected basically
3: Ja's name wasn't in the right mouth and there was Adam Silvers uh, or, or or Damon Lillard's too, who said that he'd have preferred uh, Devin Booker to take the spot. But, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised because I think Devin Booker was the next highest vote getter uh, with respect to the, all the, the media and the coach votes. So I think the commissioner just e- easily defaults to that to not create any sort of controversy by seeming preferential to anyone. So, uh, you know, it really is like it's annoying, but it is what it is. What's weird to me is that, it seemed like you know the the reserves were picked based on winning this year more so than previously. Yeah, you know, we saw a lot of people get pissed off that that Devin Booker was even left out to begin with, and then we saw in the East we saw like a Kyle Lowry who gets in over Bradley Beal, um, who is you know clearly like his his probably averages like ten points less a game, but his team's winning and he's kind of a leader on that team. So we've seen the coaches and the media prioritize winning, uh, and Booker notoriously has never won uh, has. I saw a tweet today that said Ja has been over five hundred the same amount of time that Devin Booker has in his career. Is yeah, that you, Mason? Cool. Yeah, or no, someone I someone know was, I don't think it was. Which I, don't think crazy, I don't think it's right?
2: actually true because weren't they over five hundred to start the year? Didn't they get hot for
3: a little bit? And we've only been we haven't been
2: over five hundred that
3: long. Yeah, they were like twelve uh, and six
1: or something to start were the were year.
3: Were they? Yeah, yeah. You're you're probably right. It's that, that might very well be. Aaron Baines is like playing all star level. Yeah, but the point being, like that, that's like something you could conceivably believe because he's played what four or five seasons in the NBA and just like has never made the playoffs, and um, so there's something to be said about that. Whereas Jaw's stats are contributing to winning directly; he's clearly the team leader. um, You know, much younger, so it, it really depends on what you prioritize. But I think the commissioner just took the easy way out and. There's this whole like got to pay your dues, young, young, young kid, young rook, and whatever. Like, I, I, I've never subscribed to that in any facet of life, whether it be in the professional world or educationally speaking. Like, you don't keep some brilliant kid, you know, like in first grade if he's smart enough to be in third grade. You know, we've never done that. So, that it's just interesting that we like establish this weird kind of you got to pay your dues thing to certain things in life and not others. Uh, but you know he, he's clearly a prodigy, and he'll be in a, plenty of games in the future. And I don't think it's worth getting that mad about. But it, it's sort of hypocritical based on the voting we saw in both conferences.
1: Rich, do, do you think do Rich yeah. do you think that was fair or the right decision or it should have been more thought put towards Morant?
0: Uh, I mean the same. Like, of course, I think Ja definitely has a valid like case. He had a valid case, but I knew it was going to be Devin Booker. Um, and I mean, also tied into that with selecting Booker, he was able to kill two birds, one stone, put him in all star game and put him in a three point shootout. So he was able to just kind of alleviate having to search for another three point shootout participant as well. Devin Booker, two birds, one stone. Every Lillard basically begged for him to be all star last night. So it is what it is. Um, Job be an all star for many years to come. We know that um, the national media knows that. And, you know, he's impacting winning. And at the end of the day in the NBA, that's what matters.
3: I heard something be cool would be having the guy, the injured guys, pick the guy that replaces them. Um, So you know, like, so I mean, obviously, we saw Damian Lillard would have picked Booker. It sounds like, but the you know, I guess then there's a possibility they become a farce. And like, you know, Damian Lillard would pick like Malik Monk or something. I don't know, but you know what I mean. Someone, some just random person. But you'd hope that given that they're all stars and kind of the faces of the league, they take it seriously, and would usually they end up naming someone anyway. Usually they get asked that question in the media right after they get hurt and they give a name and it's usually someone conceivable. So the point being is that that would kind of be like, "What your peers think about you? You know, like do your peers think you belong in the game Do the people that beat you out? Think you belong. You usually do. So.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if you go, Dame is no stranger to begging for all-star games. If you go back five years ago, there, there was a injury replacement and uh, it basically came down to Dame and Mike Conley and Dame had pinned this, letter to the Players' Tribune talking about how, you know, he's been doubted all his life, he came from Weber State, and, like, he, he's built, he's going to keep working and he'll be there eventually. Just like this, this, Tony Allen called it, like, Mike ain't write a letter crying to the NBA when they named Dame. Uh, and Mike's numbers were better, we were a better team. So uh, Dame is, you know, no, no shock that he was going to say Devin Booker should get it, especially after Ja just kicked his ass and we beat the Trailblazers, and they're going to try to be playing catch-up with us for the rest of the year. Uh, and Dame and Ja are going to be foes for the next you know, 10 years. That's someone coming for his head every time they play. So Devin Booker, y- y'all know my thoughts on him, man. That dude's such a loser. I watched him last night, and they were up 10. He gets a stupid technical for trying to be a hard-ass, turns the ball over, and – uh, takes a bad shot and it's a four-point game. That luckily the Suns still won, but he's just he plays losing basketball. The only way he's going to
3: win is if he becomes a sidekick to somebody. It really, it really fucking blows my mind because his stats are insane this year. They're efficient. He's scoring a lot. He's assisting a lot. He's rebounding a lot. It, it really doesn't. I mean his defensive numbers okay fine. I, mean, I don't think Jaws is a great defender either, so yeah. I don't think that that you know that's one way or the other. But like I, I really don't know why they're so bad. Like it, I haven't really dived into it, and like I because <laughs> they traded a uh, De'Anthony Melton and Josh Jackson to us for Javon Carter. <laughs> well, they had him, you know. Yeah, I mean like yeah, their front office makes dumb moves, but. De'Anthony like, Melton, they really could use a guy like De'Anthony Melton on that team. Like, so, yeah,
2: I guess I will say, like I say about everyone else, and I was preaching this about Josh Jackson, is you can't judge someone off their performance in Phoenix. So to be fair to Devin Booker, you know, I guess I'll scale back my my thoughts a little bit. But
1: Zach, that's your boy. Yeah, I'm glad he's in. He made an All Star game. I sure yeah, would. Kind of I sure would. Too, I sure would like Devin Booker on my team. That's all. yeah. Yeah. Same. I, <laughs>
3: He, it would be yeah. really fantastic with us. Like, yeah, it'd be a great really sidekick. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. A twenty-five point per game sidekick is a perfect sidekick. He ain't scoring twenty-five on a good team.
0: <laughs> he ain't never won nothing.
1: Ta ta, baby. All right, got a little Twitter corner. We're gonna do rapid fire. So Justice Winslow's been on Twitter asking for suggestions from people on a few different items. Uh, I picked out four of them, and I'll go around. We'll just each do one. Uh, Rich, the best wings. Where should Justice Winslow go get his wings?
0: God damn. God damn! You ask him just because he... <laughs> i'm just glad you didn't ask me the haircut question because justice also asked yeah oh, look, come
1: on man you put you put me in
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad you didn't him. ask me the barber um
1: that is, yeah right but, uh, yeah rich where do you go get lined up bro
0: but, um, so, let's
3: see next item is <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> shit man as a honey gold connoisseur as a lover mm. of honey gold wings that is, oh, that's tough, man. There's, so, first and foremost, there's so many overrated wing joints in Memphis. I'll say that. Um, like, do tell. Controversial, I know. Um, I think change is overrated. Um, okay. But let's see. I really enjoy – there's a spot in the Haven, White Haven, where I grew up called BJ's. Super low-key, right by Graceland. Wings are bomb fire i'm telling you bj's bj's literally a hole in the wall building like this big you can only drive through you can't walk in i don't know what they're doing inside you can't go in there um, <laughs> and then also i don't know if you guys have, have tried the wing guru yet um used to have one in the forum uh they have some out in like Bartlett and shit they're actually opening a new location in south haven tomorrow um jaron jackson actually has an official wing there so i'm sure he'll put justice on um, but, yeah, I really enjoy uh, their wings as well, man. But I just I fucking love wings and fucking chicken. So, Justice, hit me up, bro. Like, I got yeah. you. Just let me know.
3: <laughs> uh, the wing, wing Guru actually delivered uh, what looked like a –
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, like 50 wings or so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: And wrote his name on top. So, welcome to Memphis. That was cool to see. And they've really figured out, you know, how to get in with these guys. And the second you do something like that, then these guys are telling all their teammates to come to town, need to go there, and then it snowballs from there. So, uh, that's a smart PR move.
0: Also, all media, man. All media. Spell that man's name right. His oh, name is right. not spelled with the C. It's spelled with an S. Just spell the man's name. The name. It's in his Twitter bio. It's on social media. Spell it. It's man's not
1: name like right. it's Gorgie Jang. You know that you have to look at that a couple times. But like, just, Justice just isn't that hard to fix. Like, yeah. It's justice yeah. With an S, man. Just be
3: respectful. You know. <laughs> you expect people to spell your name right. Uh, all right. Well, what's what's next, Zach?
1: All right, Sam. So you get the haircut question. Say Matthew's
3: band. Where where should he go get his haircut? Three Eleven or buying like a some cheap weed in Bartlett? Uh,
1: (laughs) you're the only other person that gets their haircut in Memphis.
3: (laughs) All right, so I I go uh, I go to my dude at Gould's downtown. uh this guy named justin he's actually mixed he's half black half white and uh, and so i say that because he's like he cuts both both uh ethnicities hair which is a rarity like you don't see guys that do that most of the time um so because of that he takes elements from both i feel like and it kind of crosses them sometimes like he does the straight razor for white dudes uh which i love and think is fantastic and he's kind of like been like he he gives the best fade like i get it i get a fade Um, and he gives like the most fantastic bald fade that I've ever had. Uh, and so I I highly recommend Justin downtown and he, he's cut, he's cut Jaron's hair before he's cut uh, quite a few of the Grizzlies. So, uh, I do recommend him that that's where I go. And that's where I'd recommend anyone to go regardless of their, uh, ethnicity. Shout out Justin. Yeah. That was a
1: good plug right there. Good answer. I'll tell him about this. Mason,
0: where,
1: where should justice go? Get some post-game eats. Uh, quick comment i'll give you a second to think about that so i'm in line going into the forum and this lady behind me is just talking to someone saying that she's neighbors with uh, Jonas and his wife and his wife complains all the time that memphis doesn't have anywhere everything closes so early so there's nowhere to go eat after the game so you need to tell them where they can go eat after the game well,
2: being as I li- don't live in Memphis. <laughs> no. But you did. Come I-, I think on, I would know. go bar dog is always great, uh, but my go-to is Huey's. Stay- kitchen stays open late, and it's just always consistently good. It, it might not blow you away, but it's going to be a good good, solid meal to give you good portions, uh, some nice fries, you know, to put you right to sleep, Give you, give you- put the sl- slaw demon on your shoulder, uh, so I, my go-to is Huey's, get a cheese, a cheese and sausage plate. What's the Slaw Demon? I have <laughs> no <laughs> idea what that is. Oh, the Slaw Demon? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's when you eat a bunch of food, like, usually when you eat during the day, and then you just don't feel like doing shit, so the Slaw, slaw Demon creep up on you.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. What's it
3: mean know I realize, like, contextually, what it. Oh, what's a the Slaw Demon?
2: Cause it means you're about to be slaw. <laughs> oh, be, okay, 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 okay. Just be laid out on the couch. All right, like, uh, you know, you come okay. back, come back to work, and you really got to fight to keep the slaw demon from taking over, or else you're just gonna be completely useless at work, you know. Yeah. And, and if you if you go to a blue, not blue city, uh, what's uh what's the one on the corner that they B.B. go to? Kings? B, is it BB Kings? What they go to in uh, the
3: Bluff? Bluff City Law. Oh yeah, that's Blue City Cafe. Huh.
1: Like, that's, where,
3: that's where Steph Curry was eating.
2: No, not when Bruce he was
3: oh, that.
1: Uh, Rum
2: Boogie? Rum Boogie. <laughs> Rum Boogie. <Yeah. laughs> if you go to Rum Boogie Turkey Tuesdays, man, you can get like t- a Thanksgiving meal for about $10, man. All the sides and fixings you want, man. You try to go back to work after Turkey Tuesday. The slaw demon, who's also known as Franklin, he gonna creep up on you. all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, so
1: this slaw demon must be a Mason invention because it's not even on Urban Dictionary or anything.
2: It's actually shout out to my boy Tim Jordan. It's a ten- I learned about the
3: slaw demon from Tim Jordan. So, <laughs> all right. Well, okay. So, I, so I was one. The reason I couldn't understand it was I was wondering if it literally had to do with slaw, like
2: coleslaw,
1: the, the food,
3: the food item right. slaw. So I was like, wait are we... Is this like a specific thing to no, coleslaw or what? It's okay, a, got you. It's like you're being slaw. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I get that. Sloth,
2: so. Okay. That gets get really confusing me in California when I'm like, man, that's slaw. they're like, what? <laughs> yeah,
3: because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. but it's just But it, we know what it means. Ain't no coleslaw on
1: here. All right. And the final question, he was looking for apartments. He found one. I don't think he announced where it was, but I would suggest living downtown. If you're, yeah, live you're you're a single guy, you can afford the nicest apartment down there. That's it's bumping down there now. That's yeah. where you should live. I've, and
3: walk to work, man. Walk to the forum. Walk to the practice facility. You know, create minimize your commute. A lot of the Grizzlies live downtown. A lot of them live on South Main. Uh, I, I know Tyus and Deante Melton both live in the same new uh, apartments across from the Tennessee Old Tennessee Brewery. So uh, you know it's. It, it, I think I imagine they probably got set up through his teammates. Is what I would hope.
1: Yeah, so that's a simple recommendation. That one's easy. He's also
3: pissed, man. He he uh, he was getting a lot of hate from Heat fans who are now cl- like calling him out for yeah. tweeting a bunch, uh, basically being like, like this one guy said, like, dude, you sure have been tweeting a lot since you've been traded. Like, I think trying to imply that he's trying to be the hot girl that gets broken up with and then posts a bunch of Instagrams like out having a good time to try to make her ex boyfriend jealous. I think that was the metaphor drawn here. Uh, by the Twitter peons, but uh, I, I think he's literally just trying to endear himself to the new fan base, and obviously they're all pro-Memphis tweets, so I love them, but, I mean, just let the dude, like, be let part of the new community. Let yeah, I, I mean, that's the whole thing about Twitter, it's the troll thing, and obviously, like, Justice is not a bug, I mean, you know, if you mention, if you get his mentions enough, like, apparently he's a human being, right, like, he can get bugged by it, but um, I, I that sucks to see right and i think memphis kind of endured themselves even more by being like hey man don't care in fact that actually makes you love makes us love you more when you show love to us like if you like love memphis then we love you nothing more than that just to not treat the city like it's the worst city in the world yeah and memphians love giving recommendations (laughs) yeah
1: yeah considering we just spent 10 minutes doing that so right (laughs) all right you guys got anything else
3: no, man, let's coast into the All-Star break. And what when's our next game? Who who and when? Shoot, at Sacramento, yeah, I think. At Sacramento? Yeah. Man. Like, what, Wednesday? Probably after all, the All-Star break? Thursday.
0: I want to say the 20th.
1: Yeah, Thursday at Kings, at Lakers. Friday at Clippers, Monday the 24th at Houston, February 26th. So the next game for the Grizzlies inside the friendly confines of the FedEx Forum will be February 28th against the Kings and followed by leap year game or leap day game against the Lakers.
3: Ooh. So we have the Lakers on two back to backs, the second of two back to backs. That's tough. Uh,
1: Yeah. Within Shit. a week span, pretty much.
3: Damn. that That's scheduling. Fuck that. Yeah.
2: I mean, everybody's been talking about how, how our strength of schedule is the hardest from here on out. Are y'all worried about that at all? The Pelicans lost tonight, so we gained another half game on them, or they lost a half sure. game on
3: us rather. Zion, they did, went, did they team. win tonight? They played uh, no, OKC okay, tonight. They lost. They lost. They lost. Oh, I thought you okay, said so last night. Uh, yeah, the I'm I'm not worried about it. Like uh, I mean, it, it 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 is what it is. Like to quote the old adage, it's like we just kind of find out what this team is, uh, and we. One thing that Zach and I talked about last night, and one thing that one of us mentioned was that you know you kind of hope that perhaps these teams start resting guys against teams like the Grizzlies um, in the second half of the season. You know, teams like the Lakers, maybe who are kind of solidified in that number one spot, might start resting guys, especially on the second night of back to backs. I mean, well, they might not be on a back to back, but um, maybe we catch like the Clippers resting one of their guys. Or whereas early in the season, these teams are trying to kind of like build their positioning and establish where they're going to be in the final ranking. So um, maybe, maybe that's a positive outlook here, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll quickly see whether this team, you know, who they are. And uh, I mean, you can't do anything about it. Just got to keep playing basketball. But if we play 500 ball from here on out, which is 14 and 14, I don't think that's totally outrageous to play 500 ball considering we just put just went what 20 and seven or something like ever since jobs been back or some ridiculous number. Uh, if we just play 500 ball from now on, that puts us at 42 wins. And, wow, assuredly, assuredly a playoff bid, right? So, yeah, that's that's one way to look at it. Just keep 500. Protect home court. Um, you know, beat the bad team. You got to beat the Kings. You got to gotta have those two games versus the Kings. Got to beat all – take care of your business. And uh, the rest will take care of itself.
2: Yeah, I think they said only five games are against uh, teams that aren't currently in the playoffs – or in the yeah. hunt for the playoffs, so – Gonna be interesting, but I mean, I'd rather play the good teams now that we're also good than in the early part of the season and just be in a hole that we can't dig ourselves out of. So, that's, that's at one, one point, positive way to look at
3: it, we were. Uh, I think that that game that the game before Jaw was going to come back, we lost to the Buzz. I heard this on Vernon today, and Dan. at that point, we were eight and eighteen. And then Jaw came back, and here we are today. So that like whatever that win loss is, that's that's what we've done. Uh, so that was that. What is that like? 20 and eight. Yeah. It's 20 and eight. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that, that's what we've done. We just have to keep playing basketball like that. And I I really think it's totally reasonable to go 500 over the next 28 games, especially knowing what we have, we have to do, you know, knowing that we're making this push, assuming we stay healthy, of course. Uh, But you know, so far we, the slaw demon hadn't gotten our ass. (laughs) (laughs) going to tie it all in. Yeah. Well, Hey, set up some payoffs, baby. I'm out here creating stories. (laughs) All right, Zach, you time to wrap it up. <laughs> wrap up <laughs> the show.
1: Thanks, guys, for listening to the Backdoor <laughs> Cut Show. If you like what you hear, or don't like what you hear, think we're a bunch of goofballs, <laughs> uh, let us know on iTunes. Give us a review there. Uh, check us out the barnburnercom com for this show. More's like more's more like it. It's getting late, and until next time, we'll, we'll talk to you after the All Star break and will be step lock, step, and key with the Grizzlies as they complete this playoff push. Until then, see you later. Go Grizz.
2: Rising Stars game Friday. Tune in.
3: the
0: paper M-E-M-P-H-I-S I'm a rep this here till I walk up on death my demise ain't real don't hold your breath cook heat over